Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS, and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the PCOS Girls podcast. I'm Mel, and I'm here with Bridge. Hello. Hi. (laughs) How are you going? Oh, very good. Today, I'm so excited about this. We've got this great interview coming up with Jane Sagui from Polly. We're talking all about, well, actually, Jane has PCOS. So we're talking about her PCOS story, which I know a lot of people have requested more PCOS stories. So it was very nice to be able to fulfill that. Yeah. Um, But also how her journey has led her to becoming the CEO and the co-founder of Polly, which is this new PCOS management app, which we're very excited about. Mm, it sounds <laughs> so, so cool. It it really is. It's so extensive. Like you guys will hear all about it in the interview. It's really, it's just one of those scenarios again where it's someone from the community just doing something amazing for the rest of the community. And I just think, you know, the more management tools we have, the better. And I really, really think that you guys are going to get a lot out of this interview. Also, just hearing her story, like, Mm. um, yeah, she's sort of got, I think, a little bit of a different journey to a lot of us in terms of, like, what her drivers were. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one. Yeah. For sure. That's so cool. And I think, like, on that, if you guys want more real stories about people who've had PCOS, let us know because we've um denied about it for a long time. Mm. Um, but maybe that is something that you guys want to hear. And I know I love hearing other people's stories. So that could be something that we, we do down the track. Yeah, definitely. Please do let us know. And also let us know if it's like sort of a specific area that you want to know about. Like I know we've had a few requests re- recently for like uh, like pregnancy success stories and stuff like like yeah, fertility, fertility success ones. stories. Yeah. But, yeah, if there's anything else you specifically want to know about, definitely let us know. But just quickly, you can check out the Polly app, obviously, on wherever you get apps, but you can also just go to their website, polly.co, to read more, and also um, you'll find them on Instagram at polly.co. Jane is honestly, I just love talking to her so much. We got off the interview and we kept talking for like another half an hour. She's just a really <laughs> cool person and I think that you guys will really enjoy it. Oh, I'm so jealous <laughs> I didn't get to do that one again. I am like struggling. Okay, so as you guys know, I have Willow who is a gorgeous little six month, well, seven months old now, but I just, I'm struggling to do the interviews because of the time differences and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I can't wait to get back into them. But I do thoroughly enjoy listening to Mel interview because <laughs> I I feel like I'm there. Like, I feel like I'm getting that experience that you guys get of listening to us <laughs> talk. <laughs> it actually makes me feel so weird when I think about the fact that you listen to me interviewing someone. 
I'm like, oh, she's great. This girl's great. We've got to get her on the podcast. <laughs> oh, Sometimes so I have like friends or family say that they listen no, to episodes. No, nah, yes. no, nah, I would die. I'd actually I die. I do. I die every time. I'm like, stop. I don't stop tell anyone that I do this it. podcast and yet I know that they all know that I do, but I just pretend that it doesn't exist because I can't stand listening to myself. And, yes, I know Mel has the most beautiful, sweetest voice in the whole entire world and she literally for her job is a voiceover artist and then I have to <laughs> listen to me next to your voice and I'm like, oh, this is just never was never going to work out for me. <laughs> oh, that's so not true. I love your voice. And honestly, I think the opposite way. I'm like, you sound like such a normal person. I'm like, what's up with my weird oh, voice? Um, it's like so weird. I feel only, like I have a very weird voice. There's so. only one of us here who gets paid to talk now <laughs> and it's definitely not me. <laughs> I know, but I feel like there's a difference between the voiceover voice and like just the normal conversation. Anyway, anyway. thank you everyone for giving me voice compliments. I will continue to receive yeah. them and love them. Thank you. Keep sending them Don't through. worry, guys. Maybe I don't get offended toss a few to bridge. Yeah, if anyone just wants to throw me a bow, I'll take one. I'll take anything really at this point. <laughs> uh, what has been going on with you lately? Oh, I mean, just like I just feel like I, I'm just like drowning and like trying to, I, I mean, that stage in my life where I'm half doing everything. Do, do you know what uh, I mean? Okay. Like I'm like yes. I'm trying to do this and then I get distracted and I go to the next thing and I'm just constantly trying to like just stay afloat, mm-hmm. um, which is Good and bad, I know it's a season, whereas when I had Flynn, I was like, oh, my God, my life's over. I can never do anything ever again. Um, But with Willa, (laughs) I'm like, okay, I know this only lasts for a few more months and then she gets a little bit older and, you know, it gets a little bit easier and all that kind of thing. But I personally find, I don't know if this is the same as you, Mel, that (laughs) I find the newborn stage, and I know know people are not going to agree with this, and it was different for Flynn, but with Willa, I found the newborn stage so much easier like I just yes. it was almost like for me I was like this is the most blissed out joyous <laughs> relaxed I've felt in so long and I just really was content and I felt like I was she slept so much and we were really on top of everything and we had so mm-hmm. much support and you mm-hmm. know Jesse was home for the first three months and it was just truly amazing but mm-hmm. then I've always said I find the six to 12 month age the hardest because yep. they need a lot more stimulation from you. You can't look away from them for a second yep. <laughs> because they will just kill themselves. Um, <laughs> and also, that, like, Willa's naps at the moment. I mean, she did just do a two-hour nap, which, my God, it was, like, the most incredible experience <laughs> of my life. But, like, you know, other than that, that's pretty rare. And mm. so that's it's not enough time to get things done and then we're still waking up multiple times a night. So it's just that hard phase, but we are fine. We're getting through it. I'm currently oh. working on... Some yes. very exciting things, which I feel like I've been working on for a solid, I don't know, it feels like three years. It's not, but it feels like three years. And it's probably about a year and a half. Um, one of them is actually two years and that one's still not ready. But okay. I have some new products coming out, which I'm so excited about. Um, and they are in the realm of what I've I've done, but they're slightly different. So I'm very, Ooh. very excited by that. So there's two coming out and then there'll be a third, which is um substantially sort of different but still in the same vein of what I do um Mm -hmm. but yeah so I'm very excited it's been it's just been such a journey and such a process and it's weird because I would have thought like by now I'd find it easier to do this like product development stage and like Mm -hmm. I feel like you know once you've done it you can just do it a lot faster and I'm finding it harder and I don't know if it's because I'm getting pickier or Mm -hmm. I 
feel like I have more of a say over the things that happen now, whereas I used to just be like, mm. oh, that's fine, just go out with that, you know what I mean? Whereas now I'm like, no, no, if I'm bringing something out, it has to be perfect. It yeah, has to be please. exactly how I want it to be. Which means there's more to do, like yes. there's more research to do, there's yes. more conversations to be had. And, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I want it to be like me, I really want to make sure like the naturopath is really like, yep, this is all good. And, then you know, mm-hmm. I just want everything to be like perfect and that when it comes out, it's something that people truly want as well. Whereas mm. the first, you know, couple of, like the first sisterhood when I bought that out, I was like, I don't know if people want this or need this or mm. who's going to buy it. So it's fine. You know, like it was no mm. pressure. Whereas now yeah. I just really feel that pressure to do it well. Mm. I'm sure that you will. Like your products are so beautiful. And I know that obviously we're friends and we have this <laughs> podcast together and everything, but I like honestly, and for people listening, Honestly, I love Bridget's products as a person with PCOS. Like they really oh. help me. Like I literally drink your tea every single day. Oh, <laughs> so I'm very excited for you to have new products. I'm, I don't even know what they are, uh, by the way. Uh, maybe I do. Like we've talked know, about things in the past. You know, definitely know them, but I. Okay. But you don't know which order they're coming out. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. I don't know that. I'll tell so, you after this. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, suckers. Uh, <laughs> um, no. I'm so excited about that then because if they are what I think they are, then they're very exciting. <laughs> and to the point where I'm like, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> well, I I think the one you're thinking of is the one that's not, not yet finalised. <laughs> okay. um, but, look, I'm just excited to be having some new products coming out because I've really, really struggled with business over the last few months since having Willa. I've really struggled mm. to find that motivation to mm. want to keep going. And I know we've actually spoken quite a few times. Like I'm like, I just don't mm. know if this is the direction I want to go in anymore, if this is what mm. I want to do. and um and then something like this happens and I just the spark comes back and I feel like yes this is where this is what I want to do this is what I love um and at the end of the day like the products every single product I've done has come from a place of like me needing it and there being a gap you know and that not being available so and I just always go with that knowing that it's very likely that other people will feel the same way I think that's such a good place to come from when it comes to business. Like, Mm. I feel like that's what you need to do. I think that's really cool that you do that. And I totally understand, like, it is such a wild time in that postpartum period. And I agree, the newborn phase, obviously I struggled, but Mm. it wasn't because of Elma. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they sleep so much. And as someone with your own business, like, they have these mega naps, multiple. They're only awake for like 45 Literally. minutes between naps. You just, you can work. And, and when they're awake, they, so just much they, they just lay there. They just lay there. I literally used to lay her down under her little jungle gym thing, yeah. go into Koji's room and I would record like voiceover jobs. Yeah, like I would, yeah <laughs> because totally. Because she, she was quiet as well. Like she was Absolutely. just laying there. Like occasionally she'd do a little gurgly sound. Absolutely. And, and then they get to the like, yeah, the six, seven month age and they start squawking. Oh, my God. Really and if anyone they start pulling themselves around yeah. and you can't leave them. Like you can't be, yeah, I could always see her, but, you know. like Yeah, totally. You can't, <laughs> you can't just leave them in a room by no. themselves. But the other thing is like Willa, oh, my God, God bless her. She's the most adorable little potato in the entire world. Like I'm <laughs> obsessed with her. But she is so freaking loud. I don't know if this is a girl thing, but, oh, my, like she is going to be a chatter. Like you can just tell yeah. that she's just going to be one of those kids that just like blah, 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 blah because she yeah. doesn't stop. And Flynn was never like that. But Willa mm. loves a chat. 
So you got to be I like. I totally relate. Oh, with Elmo. so funny. Maybe it's we a girl to, thing. <laughs> maybe we used to call her a cockatoo, or if the cockatoos would fly over, we'd be like, "Oh, it's the call of Elma," because she would just squawk <laughs> like these big, loud, like she's so loud. Oh, uh, bless them. But we love them. We love them. Yeah, they're very, very cute, very and they're cute. very, very fun and adorable, and oh, and wild. They're wild yeah. time. These kids. <laughs> Let me tell you guys. Um, oh yeah, Elma is a climber. Like she oh. gets on everything. I had to take her to the doctor the other day because she climbed onto the bench top in the kitchen and then fell backwards and hit her head on the it's dining table and got a big bump. And were we podcasting when she got a skull fracture? I don't know. But she fractured her skull like three or four months ago. I remember you telling me ago. about it, but I can't remember if it was on the podcast, if it was just yeah. us chatting. She just, she's a climber and wow. she gets into things and it's hard to keep up with her. And anyway, she's fine. Yeah. But, She's um, fine, minus her brain. She, Otherwise, fine. <laughs> she was also she was also fine when she fractured her skull, though. So, like, her fineness isn't actually something to go by. Yeah, she's very Hence stoic, obviously. Ch- yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, my I feel like what, there was something really big I wanted to catch you up on. Oh yes, Ooh. I'll try and keep it brief though. But basically, I recently got some blood tests done. Yes, um, fill us which, in. Oh my god. Yeah. So I think we actually recorded an ep- the episode that we lost was the one where I talked oh, about how sorry. I had a massive struggle to get <laughs> my, these- fault, my fault. My <laughs> fault. <laughs> um, all good. Um, it was this massive struggle to get these blood tests in the first place. Um, I won't go into it again, but massive medical gaslighting Mm. experience. And then I finally ended up being able to get them. And so the results were very interesting. Um, When it came to my antibodies, which my thyroid antibodies, which is, which were up and Mm. which what, that's what gave me the diagnosis for Hashimoto's last year. They're just gone. Wow. (laughs) So uh, like, Today you could say I don't have Hashimoto's or at least I'm managing it and though in terms of labs, like, the results look good. Yeah, wow. In saying that, I still have the symptoms. So I'm kind of like it's cool that the antibodies aren't showing up but I still clearly have a lot of joint pain, inflammation, Uh, hair loss is still, I think, an issue and difficulty losing weight. So I've still definitely got, like, the symptoms yeah um but still it's very promising to me that tells me that like the gut protocol and the stress protocols that i'm like anxiety and mental health stuff that i've been doing have had an impact but my reverse t3 is still up and reverse t3 is the one that um takes the place of t3 in the cells so it's a really important test to get for thyroid Mm. um those are still up so that was interesting and then i've just been feeling kind of depleted. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. Like I don't feel tired. I'm not exhausted or anything, but it's just a general feeling when I look at my symptoms and stuff, like hair falling out, weak nails, mm. dry skin. I just feel like Elma might be sucking me dry of things <laughs> and I'm not replenishing enough. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that was a big part of what I was pushing to just get some general tests of things like zinc and vitamin D and there was so much pushback on it. It was wild. Um, I just think I'm postpartum. I've got all these symptoms and I'm breastfeeding on demand. Yeah. Like it makes a no-brainer to me to test these things. Anyway, Definitely. and what it showed that once again I'm – severely depleted in iodine. Uh, I don't 
have I? Rep- I don't think we've talked about this on here. ID. Like yeah, you've spoken about your ID. Oh yeah, 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 but not the newest results. No, no, not no. The newest okay, ones, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So severely depleted in that again, um, which just makes a lot of sense. And then also wasn't under, but was like borderline low in calcium, mm. iron, vitamin D, and oh gosh, something else. What was it? I actually wrote it down because I knew I would forget. Did I say calcium? You said calcium, iron, vitamin vitamin D. Oh, vitamin D and zinc. Zinc. I was going to say, I bet you it's zinc. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, they're all like, oh, my God, just so important. So important. And like I said, they're not like under, but they were just lowish. They were quite low in the range. So I'm like, okay, I think, yeah, there's just this overall depletion. And so... Mm. Yeah, gonna, I've already sort of started working on that, but I've got an appointment with my functional medicine practitioner where we can talk all about that and what we're going to do. But I've definitely okay. started on iodine supplement uh, supplementation right yeah. away um, because, man, I just know how long it takes to bring it back up and I know mm. how much better you feel when it's up. 100%. Um, That'll yeah, be really interesting. Yeah, so that was really cool though. I was, I was excited to get all those test results back. I also tested some like hormones like PCOS sort of hormones yeah and um yeah and so there's a bit of stuff at play there too but I'm kind of I don't know we'll see what my practitioner has to say but I'm not like worrying about it too much because I'm breastfeeding yeah true I had fairly low estrogen Mm. and I also had an elevated luteinizing hormone ratio to the follicle stimulating hormones, interesting. So LH, FSH. Yeah. So that is interesting to me, especially because I am cycling again. Um, like I, as in, I've got my menstrual, menstrual cycle, cycle back. <laughs> She's not on the bike. I'm not on the bike. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I like. I'm getting my period again, but I've been thinking it's anovulatory because my period bleed's been very like short which isn't like me and even my last cycle was short like it was like 21 days which isn't like me either so I have a feeling I'm just not ovulating yeah um and that would be because I'm breastfeeding and I'd have high prolactin Mm, there's so so many things at play so much at play and I'm just like okay I just feel like even though I do have my cycle back somewhat I feel like honestly I'm not prioritizing that part of it totally healing like Right now, I just think it needs to be more focused on the thyroid and metabolism and my immune system, and that'll come, you know. Absolutely. I feel the same because I'm – well, I obviously haven't got my cycle back yet, but (laughs) I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not focusing on, like, getting my menstrual cycle back. I'm just focusing on feeling as best I can at the moment, and then I feel Mm. like – when your cycle comes back and then you stop breastfeeding, that's when I'll be like, mm. okay, now I really want to work on just like making sure my hormones are in a really good place. Yeah, that's it. And I think that I think I'm going to keep breastfeeding, but I really want to stop um, breastfeeding Elma to sleep and co-sleeping. Mm. I just I did it with Koji for, and he's got real – I'm a, I'm such a believer in co-sleeping. Yeah. I'm such a believer in breastfeeding to sleep. Yeah. I think it depends on the kid. And Koji's just the type of kid that I just think ultimately that had some negative effects 
in that he just hates sleeping on his own. Yeah. And if it was up to him, he would be curled up in my arms through mm. the night every night. And so that's sweet cute. and it's really nice, but it's not practical. No. I don't want to have four people in my bed. and um, <laughs> Have like a 20-year-old in your bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which we know wouldn't happen. No, like I know absolutely. it would end up okay, but I'm I'm done with it. Yeah. I just don't have that in me. Yeah. And so I don't know what kind of kid Elmer will be. She's mm. already very different to Coach, but at the same time I just – I don't want to push my luck. I think I want to try and change that. So I think I'll be breastfeeding less soon enough anyway. And yeah. then that's when I think I'll take my cycle stuff a bit more seriously. Absolutely. Oh, that's really yeah. interesting. Mm. <laughs> well, you have to take us on the journey with the thyroid stuff. And yeah, definitely. also even with like the vitamins that you mentioned, like vitamin D, zinc, mm. calcium, iron. What was the other one? Um, oh, iodine. Iodine, like. Yeah. Like particularly like zinc and vitamin D, they are yep. so common, such common deficiencies in women, particularly women with PCOS. So I yes. just think hearing like how you go about this and what you do will be a really interesting yep. journey. And pe- I think people will be interested to follow that. Yeah, I'll definitely take you guys along for that one. I'm reading a lot about vitamin D and I'm finding a lot of confusing information about that. Maybe we should talk about that another time. 100%. I've always been very clear in my mind about vitamin D and how to supplement it, but there's maybe some other information at play that I didn't know before. So Ooh. at the moment, I'm a little bit just focused on literally just actually trying to get vitamin D from yeah, the sun and totally. I'm not actually trying to dive in on a supplement. But I mean, at the end of the day, that is the best way to get yes. all of us. <laughs> any vitamins, we want to be getting them from the source. So obviously vitamin Absolutely. D is different. It comes from the sun. But like at the end of the ideally we want to get most of our vitamins and minerals from our food and then vitamin D 100%. from the sun. Like that's, yeah. that's the ideal situation. Yep, definitely. And it's so nice. Like winter sun is oh, my favorite. Winter sun is so That's beautiful. Just my favorite thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, we're going to go. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy this interview. We just feel so lucky to have had Jane on. She's mm. just, honestly, I think you're just really going to like hearing her story. So, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, enjoy, guys. Bye. Hello, Jane. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am very excited to have this conversation. <laughs> Hi, Melissa. I am so excited also and so thankful to be on here. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the discussion. Awesome. Guys, today I have Jane Sagui on the podcast from Polly to talk all about her own personal journey with PCOS, which I'm very excited about because we've had Quite a few people ask us to have more PCOS stories on the podcast. So Jane is the perfect person for this because not only has she had her own journey with PCOS, but today we're also going to go into how this has led to Jane becoming the CEO and co-founder of a brand new app for PCOS called Polly. I'm so excited to talk to you about this and share this with our audience. I just think it's sounds amazing and I feel like our audience is just going to eat it up. <laughs> um, you can check out Jane and the Polly app on their website, polly.co, and you can also follow them on Instagram at polly.co. I just think that we, with it, when it comes to PCOS, I feel like we just need all the tools that we can get to really manage the conditions. So to have something that's very intentionally created and thoroughly considered, uh, you know, an app that's created by someone with PCOS, I think this is going to be really game-changing. Yeah. And thank you so much, Melissa. That that really means a lot. It's obviously an issue that is near and dear to my heart. 
and could not have done any of this without my co-founder, Sabrina, who does not have PCOS, but she has a very complimentary professional background to me that I can get into if that's of interest. And also <laughs> we, we're, we're friends. We, we met in undergrad and at university while on a study abroad trip. And so she's someone who I trust with my life and cannot imagine doing this with anyone but her. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I love that. Best friend collaboration. <laughs> yes. Um, and plus, I totally get that. You, like creating an app, I mean, we're going to get into it and everything, but that is a business. Like that requires so much know how. And yeah, I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about how you guys have gone about it because it's a really big task. Uh, it is. But what we'll do at the beginning here is we're going to just go back to the start of your journey. And to begin with, I'd really love to get to know, like, what it was that led you to getting a PCOS diagnosis and whether or not it was hard to get a PCOS diagnosis. Yes, it was definitely hard, spoiler alert, <laughs> in terms of, I'm sure that's not a surprise to anyone no. listening, in terms of what led me to getting that diagnosis. I was around 18 years old when my symptoms started popping up and I had just gone away to college was experiencing a lot of life changes, but noticed that I started developing cystic acne on my face and my back really quickly, kind of out of nowhere. And mm. I had never had a problem with acne earlier in adolescence. And it was kind of funky that it was popping up at like the end of adolescence mm. when my hormones should have been stabilizing. And also started losing a lot of hair, started having very bad anxiety. I had always been high strung, but this anxiety was not necessarily like situational anxiety. It was more just generalized. And and also really bad insomnia. So I was finding myself completely unable to sleep, which was making the anxiety worse. And it was just this like totally vicious cycle. And I ended up when I went home for the holidays, um, I started school in around August, went home for the first time in November for the Thanksgiving holiday in the States. And my mom kind of took one look at me and she was like, you are not well. And I was like, I know I'm not well. And so mm. we, we went to our primary care physician we did blood work. I was borderline anemic and I was just told to take an iron supplement. And that was kind of that. And so I went back to school with this iron supplement. It obviously did not fix any of the symptoms and they actually continued to get worse. And finally, after around a year, almost a year of experiencing those symptoms, I did receive a diagnosis, but keep in mind that this was having my mom on board. She was now very much so involved in my healthcare. Mm. She was helping me go to different doctors, doing the research for me. My parents were paying for my healthcare and also paying for my schooling, which is an incredible privilege. And all things considered, I really didn't have that much stress. And I had a lot of flexibility as a student. And it still took almost a year of very, very active searching to get that diagnosis. And once I was diagnosed and I'd seen several doctors to ultimately get to that point, I was told like many other people are, let's just put you on a birth control pill. And to me, this was really not sufficient. I, I wanted to figure out why I was experiencing the symptoms that I was experiencing. And so I, again, started going to different sorts of doctors. I ultimately ended up finding myself in more of a functional medicine-ish world where mm. I, I ended up finding a naturopathic doctor and then a functional nutritionist who I worked with. And they were really able to help me figure out the root cause of my PCOS. For me, it was discovered that I had very high stress levels, which I suppose based on my description of myself <laughs> is, is not really a shocker. Um, and I also had some inflammation. And so I recall at the time I was recommended to 
try eliminating gluten and dairy. I have very complex feelings on that. Now Um, (laughs) I ate a lot of gluten today and it doesn't bug me whatsoever. Dairy does kind of mess up my skin and give me some stomach issues still today. So I tend to avoid it, but I do think at the time those dietary Mm -hmm. changes helped. And I also started on a supplement. It was called pregnantude, which I really hated at the time. (laughs) I was an 18 year old. And the last thing I wanted was to get pregnant and I would have to hide it from my roommates because it was so embarrassing to take, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was a mix of my own acetyl and folate, which is in a lot of supplements today. And so Mm -hmm. that really helped me. Um, I actually am not insulin resistant. I I had more of like an adrenal and inflammatory catalyzed case of PCOS, Mm -hmm. but that being said, there seems to still be research that shows that even if one is not insulin resistant and acetyl is safe and can improve ovulation. And so for me, it seemed to work and Mm -hmm. that was kind of it. And I, and I was essentially just very careful for like another two years and really, really stuck to my boundaries when it took to, I mean, excuse me, when it came to maintaining my health and kind of seeking out the symptom improvement Mm -hmm. and ultimately was able to reverse most of those symptoms for the next few years, I kind of hopped on and off the PCOS diagnostic spectrum. And for the past mm. few years, I haven't even qualified for a diagnosis anymore. And I still That's very amazing. much. Love. Thank you. Yeah. It, it, it's, an, it's, it was an incredible experience born out of suffering or, <laughs> or just a lot of pain and, and frustration and, and ultimately brought me to this place of empowerment. Um, and I still have, I've still had some like weird hormone stuff happen over mm-hmm. my adult life, but just my experience of kind of figuring out what worked for my body and what didn't while Mm. I was at the worst of my PCOS symptoms. It's, it's not just been such an empowering and positive thing for me. Yeah, definitely. I, I love how you touch on, I guess, in the beginning there, like the privileged position that you were in to be able to get that care and to have that support from your mom. I think that's so, so nice. Sometimes we get messages um, to the podcast or just, I get them personally um, mm-hmm. from moms who are like, oh, my daughter, yeah. or even grandmothers who are like listening to the podcast yeah. or their grandchildren or their daughters who have PCOS. And I think, wow, like that's just so, so nice. So I'm, it's really nice to hear that you had that support from your mom to yeah. help you get there. And it sounds like it was kind of, it was, it took quite a while to get your diagnosis. But once you were there, it sounds like you were really, I feel like you read the right things and you followed your gut and it led you to that functional medicine and um, naturopathic side quite quickly, which is, yeah, I think, really cool. And yes. I, I don't know if I missed it, but what was your cycle like through there? I, I'm sorry if oh. you said... No, no, don't worry at all. It was, um, it was not really happening. I think I got a few periods. Uh, I, I also then went off a birth control point, excuse me, a birth control pill several Mm -hmm. months before the official diagnosis was made. Right. right. Enough time was in between to actually make that diagnosis. But after Mm -hmm. going off the pill, it took around a year to actually get my cycle back, but that PCOS diagnosis had been made in the, in the middle of that yeah okay (laughs) yeah and I think that also speaks to the fact that like you do I feel like we always want these quick results but it can just take time and if you've kind of stick to it and have some patience you can get there which it sounds like you did which is amazing I also think it's really cool to hear from you because you didn't have that more insulin resistant side of things and I think even people who have got insulin resistance I think it's really important to remind everybody that there are those other drivers even still that can be at play alongside that or yes you can not have insulin resistance like you and you can have that inflammatory um more inflammatory kind of 
stress-related drivers. Yes. I'm dealing yeah. with that at the moment too. I really think Ugh, that like <laughs> stress is still caught in my body. So I really feel yeah. it. Yeah. So what do you think has been the hardest part of your journey with PCOS? Like the symptoms or the support or the management? Like what have you really struggled with? Yeah. I, I, I think for me, the hardest part was actually the stigma that I... Mm self-identified with, especially yeah, right. when I was first diagnosed and, and going through the worst of my symptoms. I, again, I was in my young adulthood. I cared a lot about how I looked. I cared about the fact that my hair was falling out is honestly mm-hmm. most people who identify as women or even just all people, period, even people mm-hmm. who identify as men care about. It's a very emotional thing. In my acne, yeah. I was, I was really not into that. Mm-hmm. And then I got diagnosed with PCOS and I Googled it after being told by my doctor to just come back after I had been trying to get pregnant at some point in my life, mm-hmm. if I was mm-hmm. having trouble. And, you know, you see the words infertility and you see pictures of people growing beards on their faces. And I just instantly kind of felt very like unfeminine. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a word. It was <laughs> defeminizing. Um, and, and that was really tough. Mm-hmm. And it actually, it took me years to start telling my friends. It wasn't until later in college when I had started to like, actually feel like I had a handle on things that I started opening up to friends about it. And mm-hmm. of my girl group of friends from university, like of the 15 of them, two other of two other of these girls have PCOS. And so it's yeah, so common. Wow. It's something I could have been talking about with them for years. And I was just so clammed up about it. And so that was definitely the hardest part. And it's something that I obviously talk a lot about today, <laughs> but it took me a long time to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so nice though, because it's true. And I think that is such a common experience to um, to feel that stigma. I know that I've had definite moments of it. and But yeah, once you kind of start talking about it, it's kind of like you can't stop because you realize how important it is to break through that taboo and, um, and yeah. that stigma. I don't know if you remember, but just touching on the hair fall part, just because I know no. a lot of people deal with this. And as you say, it is a very scary symptom. I've experienced mm-hmm. it a bit and it's very related to stress for me. It's like yeah. uh, it's an acute problem for me. It comes and it goes. But I know Bridget, my co-host, you know, she's dealt with it and it's been very, very scary for her at times. Do you mm-hmm. remember what specifically was used to help you with that? Was it the inositol yeah. that helped or was it something different? I'm I'm not sure if it was the inositol that helps, but I, I did try using Rogaine. I did not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue with Rogaine or the female Rogaine or whatever is that I don't actually I think, know what that is. What is Rogaine? Yeah, it is. A, it's in the States and it's an over-the-counter hair loss medication. It's like a foam that you put in your hair. A lot of men use it. Mm-hmm. A lot of men are now actually taking different drugs for hair loss, but a doctor recommended it to me. And I didn't like necessarily have any like bad side effects for it from it. Excuse me. I more just didn't like the fact that I was needing to put like foam into my hair every Mm -hmm. single day. It was really gross. And there, there was some sort of like dependency thing where I think that once you start using it, the hair follicles that it's helping have the continued use of the Rogaine to survive. And so I ended up only doing that for like a few weeks and then I Mm -hmm. stopped and Mm -hmm. I didn't really see any improvement for it from it. I think the people that use it for an extended period of time do. Um, I did like biotin supplements, Mm -hmm. but I I, I don't even take that anymore. I'm not sure if that helps. I, Mm -hmm. in 
in the past few years, I now also do experience hair loss acutely. Like I mm-hmm. was getting a lot of UTIs this past year, stress related and mm. my body crumbles in response to stress still. And it's, it's going to be like a lifelong lesson for me, I think, yep. but I got one really bad fever with that, with those infections. And I lost a lot of hair as a result. And mm. something that I really liked is Vegamore. And that's another like topical treatment that you put on your hair. Mm. I think the stress issue is like, so big. I, I think it's so, yes. so big, a bunch of stuff that you can rub on your scalp, like castor oil and different sorts of hair oils. Mm. And I think that certainly helps. Mm-hmm. But I think stress and and also not blaming yourself, which is perhaps like a contradictory thing because <laughs> stress comes from us. And so me saying, don't be stressed <laughs> out, but also don't blame yourself. I think that's like a tough conundrum to be in. But I think like being gentle with yourself and really working on that stress management is helpful. I think that's so true. I think gentle is a really key word that's really helped me. Like, you know, whenever I get stressed or anxiety, it is such an intense feeling, you know, like it's yeah. it's a spiral and it's fast thoughts and it's like, bam, bam, bam. Like it's very intense. And sometimes yeah. like I, it sounds sort of silly, but sometimes just literally thinking of the word gentle makes me just like, oh, like just release. Like you can think about these yeah. things, but just do it more gently, slowly, yeah. more considered. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the hair related symptoms of PCOS, there's some of the slowest things to see improvement with. And so that is so true. Yeah. And, and, and whether it's hirsutism it, or the hair loss, um, it took me years to feel like I was proud of my hair again. And, and, and also mm-hmm. this was a, this is a very big deal for me because in high, I, I had wonderful hair in high school. It was so thick. I always got mm-hmm. compliments on it. It was something that I like identified with. Yes. And another, another thing that I'm, I came out of my PCOS experience being grateful for is that I have a great appreciation for my physical body, obviously, mm-hmm. but in terms mm-hmm. of my appearance at a very young age, I kind of came to terms with the fact that my appearance is like the least interesting thing about me. And I'm not I really telling that. people to just accept the fact that they're losing their hair. I, I think that everyone should feel empowered to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that part of that being gentle is is kind of a, almost accepting it in a way or, or just being patient with the progress that eventually will come because it can take years for hair growth specifically. I think that's a really beautiful point to make. Also, just back to like that idea about blame and that sort of idea of like telling yourself to, you know, stress less, but it's not your fault and all of that. I think (laughs) something that really helped me sort of in a different space, but I've been able to apply it here is Mm -hmm. this idea of blame versus responsibility. So like blaming yourself for something sounds very negative. Like that's sort of like you're being hard on yourself, but taking responsibility for something is kind of just empowering. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like I've been you know, reacting to this stress in a way that's probably not as healthy as it could be. Like, I'm not feeling negative about it. It's just a fact. And I need to work on that and sort of empower myself to take responsibility for that. That's really helped me in that space. I exactly. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Semantics are important. And I, the yeah. responsibility <laughs> one, that's, that's so important. <laughs> I think so too. When it comes to mindset, it's just all about that. Okay. So, I want to move on to talking about the polyap a bit. What, yes. when it, you know, when you were first like had the idea, the spark of the idea, what issue were you trying to solve? Like what was happening when you first came up with that idea? Yeah. So I kind of zooming out again to my personal life that's not related to my health professionally. My mm. background was in management, consulting, and venture capital. And so right out of college, I did several uh. years 
is a consultant and was focused on digital health. I was in a group that was helping these technology client, tech company clients and retail and consumer goods companies enter healthcare. And so by nature of that, we were doing a lot of market entry strategies and kind of understanding the startup ecosystem. And I just fell in love with this whole world of digital health while I was doing that. It was it was at a time when the buzzword digital health was still very new. Um, and so I kind of have like grown up with, with the buzzword or with the space. Can you explain and, the buzzword? Like I think yeah, I know yeah, what you so, mean, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So the buzzword is essentially using technology to help improve like healthcare access and the patient experience. I would say okay. that's not like an official definition. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. On, on the spot definition, but essentially if anyone has seen different sorts of mental health startups out there, or other women's health startups or different sorts of wearables, I would say that all falls under the umbrella of digital health. A lot of mm-hmm. these companies started in the consumer space. And then there is a wave where companies were selling into health insurance companies and self-insured employers in the U S especially since our insurance system is messed up and Mm. and people need coverage. Um, And now there's kind of been this interesting wave back to consumer, but it's, it's a whole wide umbrella of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you were totally in the space. You were very primed to do this. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I was, I was kind of just a little minion at a large consulting firm, but, but I knew that I loved these health startups and I knew that I wanted to get more involved in health and wellness in some capacity. And I had, I graduated college very much so thinking I was going to follow like a finance career path. My dream job had always been to work at a venture capital firm. And I ended up getting a job as a digital health analyst at a VC fund out in California. And so the consulting role, I was living in New York. I moved out to California. I did several years at that fund. Um, I was focused on healthcare for the first year. And then for the second year, the fund unfortunately stopped investing in digital health companies. And so I got placed in this general like enterprise software group. And it just became very evident to me very quickly that while I really loved the people that I was working with at this firm, I wasn't passionate about investing and I wasn't actually passionate about venture. Even I was passionate about healthcare and specifically women's Mm. health. And so it was kind of like this, this feeling of tension and knowing that I wasn't super happy where I was at. And also this weird feeling that comes from like doing something that you think is your dream job and realizing that it's not your dream job. That mm. took a lot of like ego work for me. It took me a little yeah. bit of time to even be able to admit that to myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I started having coffee chats and just like random Zoom meetings with different sorts of women's health company founders and just reaching out to everyone I could. And essentially, I was really excited about what was going on. And this was in like 2018, 2019, I guess 2019 at this point, and was really excited about what was going on more generally in the female health space at this time, which was there was a there was a lot of venture backed activity in like the fertility space, which obviously we all know is needed. There is also a lot of venture back stuff going on with general women's health, like clinics. So more integrative approaches to like women's primary care and OBGYN care and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of kept coming back to the same question, which was like, these companies are like kind of touching PCOS, but they're not actually creating this like one-stop shop vertical approach to fixing this problem that is like Mm. so prevalent for 7 million ish women in the U S and even more people globally. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how many women in Australia have PCOS. Oh, at least 10%. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know the number. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so many of us. And, um, and 
especially while I was working at the venture role, I had done a lot of work with diabetes startups who were creating uh, apps for managing diabetes and hypertension, uh, even like different sorts of MSK issues, muscular skeletal issues. Mm -hmm. And I just became really familiar with this app based model where these companies were using some human support. And so they were connecting people with providers when necessary, but mostly they were automating these sorts of care models to make them more scalable for patients to use and just more enjoyable also. And having been through the whole PCOS patient experience myself, I knew that it was something that could very much so be tackled virtually. It's it's mm. not like an endometriosis where you need to go in in person for checkups and stuff, obviously mm-hmm. it for to be diagnosed. If you need to get that ultrasound, you need to get that ultrasound. If you, if mm. you need that check mark, if you don't fulfill one of the other two Rotterdam yeah. criteria. Yeah. Um, but I, I just kind of saw it as something that I could apply this model that I'd become so familiar with and work to. And so I started talking to other people in my life who are in the tech and healthcare spaces. Um, I ended up telling my job I was going to leave and my co-founder Sabrina had decided to quit her job. She was working in a biotech startup in Chicago and Essentially, she was like, can I be a found or a uh, advisor, excuse me, for Polly for a little bit to fill a gap on my resume? And I was like, yeah, of course, I need help. And she did that for around a month. And after like a month of doing it, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. We mm-hmm. decided that, or she decided uh, that she wanted to do it full time with me. And so she became mm-hmm. my co-founder at that point. Um, but it was very nice and organic. I didn't like force her to do it with me. <laughs> and we just realized <laughs> that we worked really well together. And that was kind of the, the founding story. And her background is in public health. And she has much more product experience than I have. I have no product experience prior to Polly. Um, and so she really kind of owns the product development and like ops side of things. And then I'm more fundraising and go to market and marketing. Yeah, right. I love how you guys just went all in. You're yeah, like, I'm quitting yeah. my job. I'm quitting my job. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think and that's I think amazing. It, it, yeah. It was all at the beginning of the pandemic. We started mm. off with a totally different idea, but it was March of 2020. And I, I think that both of us think back on that time. And honestly, it was, it was only because I had given like six months notice to my prior job and she had already quit a job. Mm. And then we just kind of found ourselves doing this at the beginning of the pandemic, but it was, it was wild timing. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So, okay. (laughs) You guys decided that you're going to do this. Where did you go from here? Cause I was thinking like, cause I know that you've had to raise capital for this and I've been like, wow, like that, like that's so daunting to me, the idea of doing that. But now that I hear your background, I'm like, oh, you were very, well-versed in this. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I understood how stuff worked. It, it's definitely difficult to raise money for a women's health startup as a female founder. I will say, um, mm. I, I don't think that like all the stereotypes are true, but I, I do think that it's, it's more of an uphill <laughs> battle than yeah, for some right. other industries. And how did you experience that? Like, was it that you couldn't get as many meetings? Like what was it that yeah. where was the resistance? Yeah. I think that the resistance largely, and, and this does not apply to all venture funds by any means. We've been meeting more and more funds that have a, not only a specific women's health thesis, but a specific PCOS thesis where a lot of investment firms are starting to see PCOS as its own standalone space. And that's just so mm. incredible to see whether mm. they fund Polly or another PCOS related startup. It's just good that the space is getting attention mm. um, and investment. 
But in terms of like the biggest misconception that we run into a lot is I think that a lot of people, if they're not very well-versed with what is going on in the women's health landscape is they kind of think as women's health is just like a category, like a a single investment category. And they'll Mm. have a fertility company in their portfolio and they'll say that it's too competitive to what Polly is doing, even though the company is like an IVF related startup that we would be wow. very complimentary with. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's just kind of a lot of conflation and I think a lack of understanding of how huge women's health is. I mean, it's like, we can call it women's health or we can call it like healthcare for half the population. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really do admire, or I'm, I, I admire slash I'm glad that more funds are kind of seeing PCOS or complex chronic conditions for women as their own space. But I, I think that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of hype around women's health, but then there's this like contradiction in the startup slash venture ecosystem where, where women's health is also seen as like just one little pizza pie slice. Mm, and they've and, like, they've ticked that box. So they're done kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And that's, that's, I think that that's just one of the most frustrating mm. responses to hear after a meeting. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But I guess, yeah, the work that you're doing would be contributing to changing that so hopefully yeah. that continues to change over time I'm sure it will um yeah all right I want to get into actually what the poly app is all about like can we yes. get a bit of a rundown <laughs> on the features yeah absolutely so poly is an app for helping you manage your PCOS on a day-to-day basis we do not diagnose or prescribe today that is on our roadmap but essentially we are very complementary to the care that one would be getting from their primary care physician or their OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the features, we're a behavior change first program and we always want to be behavior change first. There's a lot of companies in the States, especially that have kind of just focused on facilitating prescriptions for medication that could help PCOS like birth control or Spiro or metformin. And we very firmly believe in the benefit of those medications, but we think that like the true key to helping people take back control of their PCOS is really understanding what they're supposed to do on a day-to-day level. And so we're Polly is people's little PCOS pal in terms of figuring out what that day-to-day support looks like. And the program starts with lab work. Those labs are optional, but highly recommended just because they allow for a much greater degree of personalization. Once the labs are in, people will then meet their care team. And the care team is made up of a dietitian and a health coach today. It is on our roadmap to add more providers that people can add to their care teams as desired though. Care team is really responsible for supporting that member through their symptom management journey. And so it's monthly calls with both the dietitian and the coach, unlimited chat support with that health coach. And they're all very specialized in PCOS. As we grow, obviously, we will need to start training our own team of folks. Um, There's not a supply issue whatsoever, though. This space is so big right now. And and that's really a blessing for us when it comes to those dietitians and those coaches. And then another big feature of the app is everyone gets their own personalized PCOS plan. And this is kind of the meat of the program right now. And it's based on those labs as well as people's life stage. Um, Life stage is huge because PCOS was different for me in college than it is today when it's pretty much under control. But if I'm trying to have kids in three years and I'm having trouble and it's kind of back, it's going to be totally different for me then. And so LifeSage is huge for us in thinking about those PCOS plans and Mm -hmm. uh, the specific symptoms they're experiencing. And then also just like values slash preferences. We have a lot of health at every size and intuitive eating resources. If people do not want to be on a diet or don't want to do anything that 
is semblance of restricting or eliminating a food group, we, we are able to support them there. Um, Mm -hmm. I could, that's another whole conversation I could really get into. Uh, but, but that's kind of like the inputs that go into the PCOS plan. And then in terms of like the actual recommendations that we're making, it's really focused on nutrition, movement, stress management, sleep, and supplements. And that's like the, the true core of the program. We have additional features like symptom tracking, not just like a menstrual cycle tracking feature, but really thinking about like mental health system symptoms, gut symptoms, uh, cause PCOS is a whole body condition. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an education library and we'll be adding video content in addition to all the articles that we have soon. And we will also be testing out some community features and bringing a community feature and app soon. And so that's kind of the, the program in a nutshell. And right now it's, it's unfortunately only available out of pocket, dealing with the American healthcare system again, but we do plan to be selling into health insurance companies in the future. And ideally that means that you could get coverage through your employer or health insurance company. Uh, and that's kind of how in a nutshell. Uh, that sounds <laughs> like amazing. That the ramble. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's incredible. I was with you all of the way and I love that you're looking at, yeah, even integrating it into insurance like that. I feel like if anyone can pull this off, it is you. So that's very, very <laughs> exciting. Thank um, you. I love, love, love that through this app, people will have contact with a healthcare team. I think that is one of the most amazing parts of it because it is so hard to find good healthcare and find good people that really understand PCOS. And I've seen some of the people that you've got on there and I've um, like worked with them before. We've even had some of them on the podcast before. So it's very exciting um, to see them there. And I just think that that is the kind of direct support that people really need. I also really loved hearing that on the diet front or the nutritional front, that it is quite personalized like that. Cause I think a lot of yeah. programs out there for PCOS specifically like nutritional programs are very much like, this is my program and it works. Come and sign up and we'll play out this program for you. And it's yeah. just not realistic that it's going to suit everybody. Of so course, I yeah. think that that's <laughs> very nice that you have a personalized approach to that. Very, very cool. Yeah. Okay, so when people so the the app is actually out now. So if people get the app, they open it up, like what's it like? What do they see? What happens? Yeah, yeah. So once you download the app, you're directed through our onboarding flow. And that is inclusive of that information that I mentioned earlier, in addition to, of course, like your normal health history questions that you would expect, like how long if you're getting a menstrual cycle, is it uh, mm-hmm. one where you're diagnosed with PCOS, et cetera. But we really want to understand what motivates you and kind of where you're coming from. We want to meet you where you're at. And so it's thinking about uh, things like what your preferences are, how willing you are to make certain changes to your day-to-day, et cetera, what life stage you're at, what your goals are in using the platform, et cetera. And once mm-hmm. you're through that, you then get directed to our lab options, or I should say you then get into the app and you have access to chat with your care coordinator, who's the third person on the care team, and you you chat through labs with them. We do labs through a third party right now. We're exploring different sorts of potentially, there are different sorts of options in terms of potentially white labeling a test. Mm-hmm. TBD on that one. We'll figure that out. <laughs> I, I do think that there's there's a plus in the simplicity of just going to a quest and kind of knowing that or a quest is a, a lab chain in the U S mm-hmm. and just knowing that you're getting quality labs drawn. Uh, but I do think that a, a white labeled test is something that we would potentially think about in the future. 
And then you can just kind of start poking around. Once your labs are in, we'll then have you do your first virtual consults with the dietitian and the coach. And like I had mentioned earlier, it's monthly calls with both of them and you can track your symptoms every day or as much as uh, you you want to. I know that the everyday <laughs> tracking gets kind of miserable. And so <laughs> thinking about I'm personally it. into it. I'm a real advocate for it. Yeah. I, I like that kind of detail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I do... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, does that include cycle tracking as well? I know you said it does. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we've got cycle tracking as well. The data privacy piece is something that's very top of mind for us being in the US. I know that there's been a lot of concern, rightfully so, with mm-hmm. the horrible Roe v. Wade decision that has been mm-hmm. made. And we, in, in terms of thinking about our data strategy in the future, that's something that we'll be very transparent about and and making sure that we are doing everything in our power to protect your data. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have a cycle tracking feature. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, I mean, it's so important to track our cycle, but it's really, um, it's really good to hear that that is at the top of your mind because yeah, it's scary times. <laughs> um, yeah. so you guys have done, uh, you've actually launched it now, but prior to this, you guys did a pilot trial yes. of, of the poly app program. Could you talk us through the results? Yeah, no, totally. So we did that trial last year in 2021. The years are blending together. Yes. <laughs> in insane way. Uh, we did that, we we did that pilot last year, and that was a very, very similar experience to what the app-based model is like. Mm-hmm. The only the only main difference is that the patient or member, I should say, member experience was via SMS or text messages. And mm-hmm. so the main feedback that we heard was that people really enjoyed the program, but they would have preferred like a dashboard to view all their documents or be able to more efficiently or effectively understand who who they were speaking to from their care team. We had like different mm-hmm. members from the care team jumping in at once. Mm-hmm. And we, we also very much so believe that the app would be a better experience. Um, but in terms of the outcomes from that, which mm-hmm. there's really no reason why the outcomes from the app will be any different. 83% of people felt better after two months. And I should have started by saying that 75% of people felt better after one month. And, and this wow. is much, much better than benchmark. All patient reported data. So just thinking about did their symptoms improve? Um, but still very promising. And in terms of like the number of people that went through that program, 32 people went through it. Um, in terms of like thinking about satisfaction scores, 4.8 out of five members were satisfied with their care team visits. Uh, 4.5 out of five were likely to recommend Polly's PCOS program to like a friend or a family member or colleague. Mm-hmm. And then hundred percent of them said that they would be interested in returning once the app was ready. And so that was exciting. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and just really, I, really special. My co-founder and I were the care coordinators for that. And mm-hmm. it was really important, I think, for us as founders to be so like intimately involved with this. Yeah. Yeah. It was 32 people. We knew everyone on a name, first name basis and last name basis, which I don't know, (laughs) hopefully that's not creepy. Um, (laughs) it, it was, it was really helpful for us to get all of that feedback from them. Yeah. And to get that insight into what the experience is really like. I think that that's really cool that you guys really committed to that. So people using the app, like what benefits do you expect to see? Yeah. For the person using the app, (laughs) not for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think there's, there's obvious, there's like different 
arcs of time here. And like, we're dealing with the short term and the near term in terms of the future. Ideally, Polly is really catalyzing research in PCOS and we're running our own studies and we're showing clinical grade improvement metrics. Um, to mm. begin with, we want to improve people's symptoms and we want to improve their quality of life and just empower people with knowledge about their own body. Yeah. And it seems really simple, but I think that it's something that, well, you can get to on your own. If you're doing a lot of the research for yourself, it just takes such a flipping long time. I mean, it took mm. me two years. I'm not sure how long it took you, but I'm sure it <laughs> took you a while. Um, even dealing with the UTIs. I, I forget mm. if I mentioned that on the recording or pre-recording. I'm so sorry, but I've, I've been dealing with UTIs this year and, and I've had to kind of start from the beginning with these infections. They're not something that I had ever dealt with before. Mm. And it's taken up a significant portion of my free time and my headspace. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we don't want people to need to deal with that for PCOS anymore. And I yeah. think that podcasts yeah. like this are an amazing place. You know, you get diagnosed, you find this podcast, you binge listen to all of it and you start <laughs> following Melissa and Bridget on social media. Uh, but we, we just want to help make things as efficiently as possible for people. I really love that. And I totally get that. Like I was saying to you before we went, um, when, before we actually started recording, when Mm -hmm. I first sort of got into this whole thing, it was actually just after I had a miscarriage when I really started to think about like being involved in this community and wanting Mm -hmm. to sort of share what I'd learned and stuff. The very first thing I thought of was an app and it was for that exact reason. It was because I had just had a miscarriage and I was just having to troll the internet and read all of these different things and try to learn from so many different sources to try and Mm -hmm. understand my PCOS and fertility because there wasn't an easy way to do that. And it was really consuming. And I, at the time I remember thinking like, this isn't what I need right now. Like I have so much to process and so many other things to on my mind right now. And I just need to grieve And I did that, but I was also like up every night, like reading so much information. And I mean, it's all become a blessing in disguise in terms of how informed I became and it's led me on my whole journey, but it was not what I needed. And at the time it was like, I think there needs to be an app for PCOS because this is too much. So um, so I I completely really respect where you're coming from because I've felt the same way about it. Yeah. All right. So... Thank you so much for sharing all about the app. I would really love to let people know how they can find out more about this. Yeah. And so in terms of learning more, you can go to our website at poly.co. You can also follow us on Instagram at poly.co. That's our most social uh, active, excuse me, our most active social media channel. <laughs> and and we also have info on both of those sites in terms of like emailing our team if you have questions or we are very responsive to Instagram DMs, et cetera. And then the other thing I would say in terms of downloading the app, we are available in the US app store, US and Canada app stores only right now. We do plan to expand to other countries in the future, but right now, unfortunately, only for US and Canada users. Um, you can just search Poly or Poly PCOS in the app store and download us. And we have a discount for people listening to this podcast as so well. generous of you as well. Oh my so, God, of course. <laughs> yeah, guys, it's a 50% discount code. So you can use the code PCOSGIRLS and it'll get you four months of um, the monthly subscription service. And you also mentioned that soon, like quite soon, there's going to be a light version of the app, yeah. which will be yes. free. So yes. maybe just explain the difference between 
the two offerings, I suppose. Totally, totally. So we we prioritize getting the paid version out there. And so if you are to look in the app store today, we're recording in mid-July, you would need to pay the, the monthly subscription to actually access the app. Um, that was just because our team is super small. Our full-time team is only four people right now. And we had to make some decisions in terms of bandwidth, but no, we will be, yeah, but, but we will be releasing a free version of the app in the next few weeks. And that will allow you to download it, see all the features. You'll be able to use our education library freely, as well as our symptom tracking feature and create your profile, et cetera. You won't be able to have your care team meetings and chat, et cetera, but you'll be able to see like what features you would need to pay for and not. So it just kind of gives people more of an ability to test it out. Um, and I also believe that there will be a two week free trial option in the app store as well. I think that's really cool. So, you know, if you're listening, you can go and you can check it out, explore the app, and then you can use this 50% off code, which is so generous. Um, I'll say that code again. It's just PCOS girls. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed hearing your story. I'm so impressed by you and I just, I think what you're doing couldn't be done by everybody, you know, like I think it takes a a special kind of person to be able to, yeah, tackle this massive, massive project, but it's so important that you are because I just think it's going to help so many people with PCOS. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate that. I I love this podcast and both you and Bridget's social content and stuff. And I, I think that podcasts personally are my favorite medium for catching myself up to speed on something that I need to learn more about. That's and, so true. So I, yeah. Yeah. And you, you can multitask, you can do dishes and listen and learn, yep. or you can walk the dog or whatever it may be shower. Uh, and I, I'm just really grateful for all the sorts of creators and community pillars like yourself. Thank you. That, that really, um, I really appreciate that. And it's so true. I, I think we say it on here a lot, like the, the stuff that really helps our community comes from people within the community you like yourself yeah. like most of the people behind everything that is helping us have PCOS and I Absolutely. think that that's a really special part of our community so thanks <laughs> yeah, of course thank you for having me <laughs> all right bye bye mm-hmm. 